Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. The organ was invented to make sure that sleepy parishioners were awake when they came to worship, and Susie uses it perfectly. Thank you, Susie. (laughs) Friends, we are awake, we are here. Whether we are visiting for the first time and we extend a welcome to you, or you've been here for decades and decades, it is a joy and pleasure that we have to gather. We welcome all of you. Whether you're a 102-year-old great-great-grandfather or a brand-new parent with your child with you, it's great to have you. I welcome as well Elder Bill Birch, who is our liturgist for the morning, as Jan Farley is in Boston walking in the Susan Komen breast cancer walk. So we think of Jan as well. We think of all of these things, but now we think of the Lord. We are here to worship. We are here to praise. So let us be called together in worship as we read responsively from the 90th Psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Friends, let us worship God.
Please join me as we read our corporate prayer of confession. Father in heaven, your love brings life to dead souls, light to darkened minds, strength to weak wills. Help us to believe and trust that no wrong we have done, no good we have failed to do, is too great for you to pardon through the merits of Jesus Christ our Son. Amen. Isn't it wonderful that as we live our lives striving to please the Lord, attempting to do deeds which will be acceptable in His sight, when we stumble, when we fall, we are forgiven. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Please take a moment to share the peace of Christ with those around you and try to meet someone new. How many of you did meet someone new just now? Raise your hand. Fantastic, fantastic. That's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Bill, for adding that. Well, friends, let me share with you a bit more about what's going on in the life of our Village Church family. I'll note that next week, being the first Sunday in September, is our annual Village Fest celebration. We will have one worship service, a unified service, here in the sanctuary. I was told that it's going to be nearly 100 degrees next Sunday, so we'll be here in the air conditioning, and that's the good news. The bad news is, choir, that you're going to have to wake up half an hour earlier because we're starting the service at 10 o'clock. Yeah. You guys see what Juan has to deal with the whole time. We'll gather at 10, then after the service, we'll be out in the patio and in the fellowship center for a free lunch, and then we'd ask you to stop by all of the display tables where you can learn about all of the ministries and activities in the life of the church, and some of them you have been part of. You might find something new that you'd like to be part of, so we'll do that next Sunday. Today, following this service, we're inviting folks to an informational luncheon about the Kingdom Academy. If you want to go deeper, higher, further, longer in your obedience in following Jesus Christ as his apprentice, as his disciple, the academy is for you. Come and learn about it. You don't have to make a commitment. You don't have to sign any cards, but we'd love to have you. Starting the week of September 11, we will begin our three weekly Bible studies looking at the book of Genesis. That's La Costa Glen, Wednesday Morning Women, and Thursday Morning Men. There are other studies and groups starting up as well, and you can read about them in our email messages to you every week. I'll also mention that starting on September 11, we will move our 9 o'clock worship service back into the sanctuary. Now, I realize for most of you that's not going to have a huge impact, 
but we want to be able to live stream our contemporary worship service out into the world. We want to give our band and the folks that are part of that service an opportunity to take advantage of the wonderful new audiovisual systems we have here. And so the nine o'clock service will be back inside the sanctuary starting September 11. We'll miss outside, but occasionally I have a suspicion we will move back outside just for the sheer joy of it. I want to introduce to you Dr. Yanthi Martini. Yanthi, am I saying that right? Marini. Say it again. Marini. Marini. I, said, I said Martini, didn't I? <laughs> it says right, there's no T in it right here. Have you ever considered changing your name? No, <laughs> anyhow. Yanthi has been our guest clinician this weekend for the choir's annual retreat, and she's going to be uh, working with us in worship this morning as well, so it's great to have you with us, Yanthi. And then as well, let me call Chris up. Chris, come and join me here. As many of you read in our email messages, Christine Hecker has joined us on our staff as our new Director of Youth Ministry. It's been a while. Yeah, good thing, huh? Now, unless some of you think that you don't qualify for youth ministry, let me simply say to you that the whole church is involved in all the ministry of the church. And so, Woody, we're going to be calling on you to work with the junior high group, okay? But we'll talk more about that later. So, Christine has extensive experience and education in children's ministry, family ministry, and youth ministry, and we're happy to welcome her here to the life of our church. Chris, say a couple yeah, words to us. I would love to. I am beyond blessed to be here. This has been my first week and already I love the staff and the leadership and how important it is to them for us to invest in the next generation, both our kids and our teens. And I feel very, very fortunate to be a part of that. I love the vision that we've already talked about for youth to serve in our greater community, for them to find purpose. And so in September, we already have several youth opportunities to serve, and we're already talking about confirmation class starting in the fall. So thank you so much for having me. I love being here. I feel very, very blessed already by this incredible church family. Great. Stay here a second with me. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for bringing Chris into our life and ministry as well as her family. We thank you that you want to bless all of us. And we pray your blessing upon her work and our work as we seek to love and encourage and strengthen younger disciples of our congregation. May they learn about your love and learn to be part of the life of the church. And may we help them to do that through Chris's leadership and especially as we all follow you. May it be for your glory and for the sake of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Thank Blessings. You. We are called, as Chris has answered the call to serve God in a particular way, all of us are called to serve, all of us are called to offer to God what we have for the sake of the blessed lives that he calls us to live, as well as the sake of others. So now, as this next musical piece is being offered, I encourage you, if you feel so led, to bring your offering to the plates that are on either side of the candles. God bless.
Please join with me in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we've come here today as a body of believers to worship you, to thank you for our many blessings. We certainly don't deserve our place in this world nor the comfort we enjoy. Help us never to be complacent, but to live in gratitude to you in all things. And help us to show that gratitude in a spirit of service and an action of service. Lord, we pray for wisdom. Help us to discern right from wrong, to know how to serve others in such a way that we actually do good for them and for your kingdom, avoiding platitudes or doing what feels good. Help us to pause, to listen to your spirit, to gain godly insight. Help us to seek truth and to find it, to speak and act in truth that our words and deeds will be found without fault. As we strive to live righteous lives, may we measure our deeds by your word and by the example Jesus gave. As this body, the Village Church, continues to grow in you, may we, as we talk as, about the Kingdom Academy at, at lunch today, open our hearts and minds to your teaching. May we become better disciples of Christ growing in faith and seeking to further your kingdom. Father, help us to be better in all our earthly roles, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, children, teachers, leaders, friends, mere acquaintances. May we be found to demonstrate the love of Christ in all our interactions. We pray that others will see Christ in us and that they will like what they see and be drawn to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
was just our summer choir. <laughs> Friends, stand with me as you are able so that we may devote our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength to hearing the word of God as we find it recorded in the letter to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. 
Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus will tell you everything. He is a dear brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace be to the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Perhaps you have learned about me and learned from me that I think there is some wonderful theology and sentiment in all kinds of music, including the music of this particular song that because I want you to focus on the words, I want not to distract you by my attempting to sing it. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep. So we took turns a-staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces, knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of aces. For a taste of your whiskey, I'll give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression. He said, if you're gonna play the game, boy, you gotta learn to play it right. You've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. Because every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. And the best that you can hope for 
is to die in your sleep. And when he'd finished speaking, he turned back toward the window, crushed out his cigarette, faded off to sleep. And somewhere in the darkness, the gambler, he broke even. But in his final words, I found an ace that I could keep. It took every ounce within me not to break out <laughs> into song. We have been reading a family letter, a letter written to a family of the church nearly 2,000 years ago. We've been reading it all summer long. Back at the beginning of the letter, we heard this phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's one of the reasons we keep reading this letter over and over and over again because it reminds us that we have the very power, the very presence, the very peace of God. God who is with us, God who is for us. But still, but still we worry, we wonder, we strive, we struggle, we fight. We keep looking for an ace that we can keep and we keep hoping that at least we'll break even when it comes to the business of living life. We hope that at the end, whether it comes in the dead of a night on a train bound for nowhere, we hope that at the end, whatever it may be, we'll be with God. Paul, the author of the letter, has been sharing so much with us about knowing God through Christ and living a changed and victorious life as a result of that. But we have to remember that Paul, too, knew about the struggles of life. He had his own personal struggle with sin. We all do. There's nothing new about that, nothing strange about that. Paul knew perhaps a bit more than most about what it meant, though, to be opposed everywhere he went. He knew what it meant to make long and dangerous journeys because of the calling in his life. He knew what it was to be beaten and imprisoned and even executed at the end. As he's writing this very letter about victory, about hope, about power, about peace, he is in chains, in prison. We know, we know about all the obstacles and pitfalls and challenges of life, and we know how hard it can be to defeat them. We try to teach our children from a very young age that when you fall down and cut your knee or your sister Paul's often slugs you, <laughs> that life can just be hard. There was once a minister who called the children forward to the steps for their story time, and 
He took four empty glass jars. He showed them to the kids, and then he took a bottle of liquor and poured it into one of the jars. And then he took a cigarette and lit it up and puffed all the smoke into one of the other jars. Then he took a big bottle of thick, rich chocolate syrup and poured it into the third jar. And then finally, he reached into a bag and he took a handful of rich, soft, brown dirt, wonderful soil, and put it into the fourth jar. All the kids saw him do it. He told them what it was that he was putting into the jars. And, and then he pulled out four worms. And the first worm he put into that bottle of liquor, and the worm struggled and squirmed for a few moments, and then it died. He took the second worm and he put it into the jar that was full of all that smoke and the, the worm squirmed and squiggled for a few seconds and then it died. He took the third worm and put it into the jar full of that chocolate syrup and, and that worm struggled and swam just a little bit but then finally it drowned and it died. And he took the fourth worm and he put it into that deep rich soil and the worm just snuggled in and got comfortable. And the minister said to the children, what lesson have we learned from this demonstration? One little kid said, I've learned that if you drink and smoke and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. <laughs> Maybe overeating that wonderful chocolate is your problem. Maybe smoking is your problem. Maybe too much alcohol is a problem. I don't know. I do know that you struggle with fear, as do I, with worry, with anger, with hatred, with overwhelming desires and appetites, with violence, with laziness, with self-centeredness. The list could go on and on and on. Paul summarizes the problem that we have in this way. And in a sense, it's his last point of the letter. He says that you and I are in a battle through all of life. But it's not really our battle to begin with. And it's a battle that's bigger than all of us. It's a cosmic battle. A battle between the force of evil and good of hatred and love, of the devil and God. It is a spiritual battle, the battle that was engaged at the very creation when God's spirit moved across the face of chaos and created the orderly and beautiful universe. The battle is bigger than us. We didn't ask for it, but we're in the midst of it and we know how hard it is, and we know that we lose. Except, but, but God has given us weapons, tools, methods of coping, methods of fighting, methods of enduring, and God has given us the victory. Still, though, we fight in this life. 
And so God has given us things like his truth. We know the truth about who God is and who we are and how things will end up. God has given us his righteousness, teaching us how we are to treat each other rightly with justice and with love. God has given us good news that we know trumps the bad news. God has given us his peace. God has given us faith that helps us keep on going even when we doubt. God has given us salvation already guaranteed for us in heaven because of the sacrifice of Christ. God has given all of this to us in his word. And we have access to it through our prayer, through our study. We have the whole armory available to us, an armory of spiritual strength. Now make no mistake, these weapons, these tools are not ours. We did not create them. The power that they have is not ours. They are from God and God alone. We need what God offers to us. But like any tool, like any weapon, we have to decide to pick them up and use them. Some of us ignore God altogether and are not aware of this blessing. We're not aware of the truth. Many of us disbelieve God so much and are so afraid to trust that we won't pick up these tools and use them. Many of us want to use our own weapons, create our own tools, thinking that we know better. But the Christian life is the life of learning from Jesus, who himself used those same tools and embodied those same tools. That's why we have a thing that we're offering to everyone that we call the Kingdom Academy. We're a school where we're learning how to follow Jesus. We're a bunch of apprentices who are learning from Jesus, learning how to use the same tools that Jesus used. The weapons that God gives us in this battle against evil. Be assured that with God we will endure and we will win. Not because it's our victory, but because God gives us that victory. Let's talk about winning for just a moment. What does winning look like? We all like to be winners, don't we? None of us likes to be called a loser. But let's understand what winning actually is. Winning is not about fame. It's not about power. It's not about prestige. It's not about having the easy life. Winning, Paul says, is about undying love. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Paul thought about that love because as he was preparing to end his letter, he does, as he does in so many of his letters, he, he ends by referring to some of the, the mundane business of the church. He reminds the folks in Ephesus that he's going to be sending Tychicus to them. 
Tychicus is mentioned five times in the New Testament. We think he was from Asia. We know that he was a trusted colleague of Paul in ministry. We know that as well that he believed in Jesus. He believed Jesus. He served Jesus by serving other people. That's what winning is. That's what love is. Paul thought about Tychicus, a real person just like you and me, when he thought about undying love. Truth be told, he'd been talking about that love since the beginning of the letter. He talked about God's love for the world, God's love as we know it in Jesus Christ, God's plan and purpose to build a community of love that demonstrates, that embodies love, that is love itself. That's who we are. That's why we use those weapons and those tools. That's the winning that we seek to enjoy. My friend Ed Hurley tells about a brand new preacher. She came to her first church and stood up to preach her first sermon. And she said exactly three words. Love one another. She sat down. This was a very forgiving church, a loving church. And they thought, okay, this is her first sermon. She'll get warmed up. So they went home. They came back the next Sunday. And she stood up to preach. And she preached three words. Love one another. And then she sat down. And some of the folks in the congregation began to think, maybe that's all she knows. Maybe we made a mistake calling her here to be our pastor. Some of the other folks began to catch on, and they said, oh, this is great. We get out of church before the Baptist, and we'll beat them to the cafeteria for lunch. <laughs> so they all came back the third Sunday, and this young preacher stood up, and she said, love one another. And then she sat down. And after the benediction, the people in the church left. They were a bit bewildered at this point. And the elders of the church gathered together and called her over. And, and they said, we know you're a, a new preacher and, and, and we love you. But, but what gives with these three-word sermons? And she said, well, when you do this one right, we'll move on to something else. The only thing that wins in this life is love. God's love for you and then your love for others. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. That's winning. Pray with me. God, thank you that you have given us the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, his victory, a victory of life over death, a victory of love over hate, a victory born out of your own creative will and heart, a victory that is ours as we learn to use the means that you have given us 
to follow your Son into the abundant and eternal life. Amen. Please stand with me. And join with me as we read an affirmation of faith taken from another of Paul's letters, this one to the Romans. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, 
Know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Do you want to do better than break even with life? Do you want to win? Don't gamble on anything else but the sure bet that is following the Lord Jesus Christ. My apologies to the choir. <laughs> May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, stay, be with you this day and forever and ever and ever. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.